0: You're listening to Broken Hearted with Althea Branton. Join me for unscripted conversation about heartbreak in all its forms. Instead of getting over heartbreak, move through it. Face your pain and see what happens next. Welcome to Broken Hearted. I'm Althea Branton, and I'm so glad you're here. Novali Wilder is a Danish actress and artist turned professional numerologist and published author living in Los Angeles. She is an alumna of the William Esper Studio in New York City and a certified match numerologist from the Institute of Numerology in Denmark. From 12-step programs to internationally acclaimed professional training, Novali has explored personal growth techniques and the keys to understanding and illuminating the human condition through all her work. Yet, the years of training pale in comparison to the life-altering experience of changing her name with the help of numerology. Blown away by the potency and accuracy of this ancient esoteric tool, she decided to master it and is now an expert within her field. She offers one-on-one sessions, events, and courses about the sacred spiritual science of numbers and letters. Novalee is an incredible soul. And our conversation is one that I definitely have learned so much from. In her own words, Novali explains how when her mother passed, it opened up a completely new chapter of her life. Enjoy. Novali, thank you for being on Broken Hearted today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited.
0: It's my pleasure. So... When we talk about grief or when you hear about grief, there's this notion that, you know, grief is not a place where you have to stay or you can stay. It's not really socially acceptable to grieve. There's a socially acceptable way to grieve. But when you lost your mother, what did grief look like for you?
1: Many things, many things that look like many things. I think it's important just for like my point of view on this that I had just um, spent six months going through uh, a 12 step group and the program that comes with being a 12 step group. Uh, and the one I was in is called ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics or Other Dysfunctional Families. Uh, and I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. And I felt very responsible for my mom and her welfare and her emotional life and like all of that. And after spending time in a group like that, I want to say that I feel like we are all a little dysfunctional. (laughs) No one has a perfect family. We all have like different connections to our parents. Um, And when, like I had just finished the 12th step and I had, I felt such freedom in my life and I had this, like, really, uh, like this, there was so much space around me. I suddenly felt like I could talk about things, I could express them. And then for, I, my mom fell down some stairs and she hit her head. And within 48 hours, we had to uh, turn off the ventilator and she was gone. And it was such a weird space to be in for me because i suddenly felt like i had felt like i had finally made peace with a lot of my childhood and i was finally thinking now i'm going to have a closer relationship with my mom and i'm going to be able to not get triggered and then suddenly she wasn't there and like slowly that light dimmed like that like ah oh, i can finally like just meet people on a different level and meet my family on a different level and of course like i wasn't the only one grieving my family was grieving it's a dysfunctional family so everyone is grieving in different ways um and grief for me felt very cold i think people like um have different sensations, but whenever I have lost in my life, I feel like the world gets very cold, like physically, actually, that I feel like I get very sensitive to the fact that, uh, people are not there anymore. There isn't that like warm hand to grasp or, you know, someone to like the right person to come and give you a hug. There's just like that it's cold. (laughs) Um, and I remember because I meet like as soon as uh, the accident happened, I was I just knew I was like she's not gonna come back from this, and I think other people in my family thought that you know a miracle was gonna happen, but I was very clear. I was like my mom is like my mom was like a very uh, violently expressive person, and the injury was so severe that i was like this was the way she's gonna go she's not gonna like uh live the rest of her life like uh with a brain injury and everything she's she's done um but it was very you sit back with all the questions and all the the things you wish you had asked and I was so grateful I had done the 12 steps because at least I had I had somewhere to put my, the wrong feelings. Cause we're not supposed to be angry at our parents, especially when they're dead. There's some weird things where you shouldn't talk ill of the dead. And I'm like, they're not gonna care anymore. So if you're pissed at someone, you really have the right to say, you know, that was not okay what they did or whatever. Um, it really made me wake up. I was like very aware that I could not blame her anymore for holding me back. I couldn't in whatever way, even if it looked like love, sometimes it looks like love when we we hold each other back and I was like, oh, I can't blame her for things anymore because she's not gonna be able to say them. Or, you know, she's not going to she can't guilt trip me anymore. She can't shame me anymore, even when it looks like love. She can't do any of those things. Um, so even though it got very cold, it really is like that feeling uh, for me. She also died in February, but it, it was cold. Uh, there was also a lot of clarity. I got very clear on what I wanted to do. Um, I signed up for a training in the U.S. I was living in Denmark. I'm from Denmark. Um, I was like, oh, now I can leave. It was really weird. I didn't realize while she was alive how, how much I felt like I had to be there. Even when I weren't there physically, I felt like I had to be there. I had to be not too far away. And when um, she passed, I was suddenly like, I can leave. And that was also such a, like, I mean, it sounds so. I just didn't see it while she was alive, how much I was like keeping myself within a certain parameter in my expression and where I would travel, how far I would be gone, like, and how long I would be gone. And it really made me like aware of the, and I think that's with dysfunctional families, like the fear I had taken on from her. She was very afraid of people in general. And it was the, the wrong people. I don't know, like the wrong, the, you know, you can sometimes think that I get if you're afraid of this group of people, but I don't get that you're afraid of this other group of people because she was also a German in Denmark after World War II. And I would understand if she was afraid of Danes in some sense. But she wasn't. She found some other group of people, uh, immigrants that she was afraid of. And I was like, mom, this does not make any sense. Um, and I realized after her passing, how might not be that group of people, but I had taken on like a lot of her fear um, of the future. Also. So
0: at this stage when you've lost your mother and you're going through this grief, there's the, the loss of your mother herself or your mother as an individual. Hmm. But then you've gone through this 12-step process, and you felt ready to embark on a new relationship with your mother. So did you yeah. feel a sense of loss that now that she's physically gone, you actually can't embark on that journey anymore?
1: Yeah. It's gone. Did you, did you grieve that as well? I did. I, because I knew it... Like, I think there is something, uh, again, very freeing in seeing your, like just looking your demons straight in the eye. And I realized through the 12-step program that like, wow, it's a lot less scary when I'm looking at it and talking about it. It's so much more scary when I'm trying to avoid whatever it is. Um, So I also found, right after, I found a grief group for children with dysfunctional families. So there was a lot of space to be like, I love her. I miss her. I hate her. Or like, I love her. Now she left again. Like, like whatever experience we can have in our like childhood. Like I definitely felt like my mom would leave me without leaving the room when I was a kid. She would not be there. Um, And I got really angry in this space after. I was like, I'm finally ready to have some conversations. And now you left. And it just doesn't make sense. Like on a very like, Basic level. It's like, why haven't I seen her for a while? I'm mad that she hasn't called, even though, you know, she's gone. There's a whole level of like, why isn't she here? <laughs> I need to talk to her. Um, there's definitely also like there was a very spiritual aspect where I realized that that she had passed, that I realized energetically that she was in a better place, or at least in a very different place and a lot of the hang-ups I had were about a person who was alive and since she wasn't that anymore I couldn't really they kind of dissipated. Um but I was also very, very mad and mad at myself. I think that's part of it. Like I was mad at myself for like not getting the pancake recipe. You know, this little stuff like that where you're just like, damn it, I should have gotten that recipe. That's really important, man. She was so good at those pancakes. Uh, Yeah. So having that ability
0: to stare your demons in the face, Mm. is that something that helped you process all of this?
1: Yeah, because I knew that like, whether or not this is a human thing or a female thing or a dysfunctional child thing, I was like, I need to talk about it wow, I need to say say these things out loud. So like finding a grief group where I could express like all of it, just like, okay, I need to process, I need to process out, loud, process out loud because whenever I tell a close friend who does not have this relationship with her family or whatever, she ends up sitting there crying when I tell my story or tell my feelings. And I'm like, I can't have you do that. Like I need to process it and I need to talk about it. And I needed to find spaces. Um, I remember the funeral as one of the most freeing spaces because we, you know, we held the service in a church and it was such a space created to grieve. It's okay to cry loudly in a church at your mom's funeral. There's so many other spaces in life where you can't cry loudly because someone has passed. We feel bad for whatever the person on the bus was crying. We we're like, Oh, 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 you know, like we, we put, we pull away. Um, so I needed those spaces where I mo- my emotions weren't like weird. And instead of trying to explain them, I could just talk through them. All the shit, you know, I really feel like, uh, yeah, I, I tell everyone to find a grief group because it's a little bit like a 12 step group where you can just have all that shit. And it keeps you very honest. It um, keeps you be very up, honest.
0: You bring up such a critical point: is that we, as as a as a populace, as 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 a collective, we don't have these spaces for mm-hmm. for ourselves to express a full range of emotion. And if these spaces, I know they exist you were able to find them and find them according to your needs, which is amazing.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: We need more of these spaces. We need more. And we also need to encourage one another that even if you don't have a space or if you can't find like an actual space, we need to learn how to create it.
1: Yeah. To be able to
0: let all of these emotions out. Because yeah. I, I don't believe that all of us, have. not only do we not have the space, we also don't have the permission.
1: And we don't give uh, ourselves the permission.
0: We, we don't give, give our, our no, you're absolutely right. We don't give ourselves the permission to experience a, a space or not. Mm. We don't give ourselves permission to experience the full range of emotion. And certainly if we did have the space, it's only in, in certain contexts and in certain areas and in, and in certain times i'm sure the group that you went to was it was probably weekly it was probably at a certain mm. day it was probably at a certain time so you knew at that day and that time that space opened up and you could just express yourself but what happens novalee if you have emotions that need to be expressed outside of that
1: it's very tough it's very very tough i also feel like as a human being, all the things we deny ourselves, whether it's expressing our emotions or eating them or buying them or whatever we do with them, like there's lots of time where even if we think we're giving ourselves permission, we're only going halfway there. You know, we're not allowing it fully. And no matter what kind of life you have, there is a buildup that I do think we need release for wherever we find it. Whatever you do, yoga or go home to your wife close the bedroom door whatever it is like you go somewhere and you get it like through um and whenever something really traumatic happens the release is just so much longer i remember doing this was like two years later and i was doing a summer intensive in the us for acting and it had a movement class and in this movement class a lot of the warm-ups would be lying on the floor. And going through kind of uh, fetal position to, like, a more open position to fetal position again. And just doing this physical, like, being very relaxed in my body and doing this, like, physical thing released a lot of grief in me. Even if I couldn't, like, put, like, my finger on exactly what it was, my body was, like, that, like, pulling in, like, a little kid, like, pulling in, like, a fetal position and opening up. My body was like, oh, we want to cry now. Like, I'd like to cry, and I was like, okay, you're allowed. It's movement class. No one is looking. We can all have a moment here. And I did it for like six weeks, twice a week. That's twelve, twelve times where I just like could tell that like my tissue, my body was like, oh yes, please, yes please, let's please let's cry now. Like let go of it, even though it wasn't like big and and like overtook anything. And I just also then realized that like. We process differently and I don't think my body was ready to let let go of that, like the cries and the tears until then. It didn't feel safe or I didn't have the space to repeat like uh, a physical action until it like emptied me in that sense. And so that's just what I did. I was like, okay, well, it's acting, you know, I'm allowed to have my emotions. We'll just do that. Um, But I thought about it when I meet people who say like, oh, why do I cry in yoga class when I do this? Or why do I cry when I do like ab exercises? And I'm like, well, you know, we store it all here too. And not all yoga classes are you allowed to to cry in. Like that's also like even the spaces where we're allowed to do it. We're still very like within this field, you know, like I'm not going to be louder than the person next to me in my whatever process I,
0: I don't want to draw attention yeah. to myself i don't want to be seen having this experience what would other people think yeah this is i think where some of the issues lie when we don't think okay if you are sitting in yoga class and you feel relaxed enough and the movement moves you why not mm. yeah why not that's what your body is letting is letting you know. You know, we there's this tendency, like there's so much out there about green juicing and healthy living <laughs> and free-range mm. grass-fed. Someone actually came to my door last week, and this was really random, and knocked at my door and said, Would you like a sample of grass-fed meat delivered to your door tomorrow? And I said, um. I beg your pardon.
1: Like, what? that's a new kind of salesperson.
0: That's a new, right. I'm, I'm used to, you know, people knocking on my door for, to give me Bible advice or, you know, newspaper subscriptions. But this, this gentleman wanted to deliver meat to my door. But the point is, is that there is all of this wellness out there, which is wonderful. I just had sprouts in my lunch today. Mm. But having said that, what about the wellness on the inside
1: yeah it's right? creating all this i mean so much of uh i don't know modern wellness tries to take us back to a more flexible emotional state or a more open body whatever but we don't really allow the ugliness out because that does like crying mostly is not pretty or or you know timed oh that was five minutes you 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 should be done now you know like you never know how long something and i think that's also the uncertainty about grief people are like i don't know what to do with it how long is it going to take you know i remember people um i think it's good advice to tell people around someone who's grieving that they should just express their emotion freely too. Um, because I feel like there's this like um, caution around someone with grief, like a little, um, the, the fear of getting too close to it, that it might be contagious, that it might, uh, Oh, if I'm the person who helps now, I have to help later. Or, Oh, I can't get involved. This is probably going to be a long time. She's the kind of person who like gets, sucked into whatever it is I don't want to be part of that or whatever it is and I actually felt like the people who engaged most directly with me we could like faster get through the conversation about how I was feeling and with my mom and all those things and get to like yes I want to hear the joke that your five-year-old told you that's not even a joke or like yes I want to hear about your new job like we could get back to life or like we could have conversations that went deeper And felt more normal when people weren't like afraid of like being like so how are you really doing please tell me the details I think you're sparing people the details tell me some of those details that you're not sharing with other people you know what I mean like this was also the first time that I had uh, dealt with doctors on a certain level in a hospital I had a lot of thoughts about like how Doctors talk to patients, and like I had like so many things that I didn't feel like I could talk to people because they were like, oh, oh, okay, oh, we're talking about your mom, okay, oh, so this is gonna be serious. But I was like, no, I really just thought about like the thing about brain, being like a brain surgeon. Like I have thoughts about that right now. Can we talk about this? And I don't. It's just like um, grief is a part of life and shouldn't be treated like some delicate little thing. Um, it was a lot easier when people were just like, "I don't know what to say, but I think we should talk about it." So, can you just tell me some more about what happened, if you want to? Um, of course, there were also some people who just like I remember meeting, like an old neighbor that saw me on the street and stopped me and was just like, "What happened?" And I was like, "I don't want to have this conversation with you here now. I'm missing my train. Please, please go away." <laughs> but I didn't feel like I could do it. But I was like, "Okay, just you know." don't call me or like here's my number we can talk like the interactions can be very weird Um,
0: because we don't want to face pain right in that in that grief there's pain i remember um actually not that long ago i got word that a childhood friend of mine had suddenly passed Mm. away and it hit me very hard So when I went to, I was the only one in my family that could go to the funeral. So I went to the funeral back in my hometown and I remember being there and there was a display of all of his, um, child, like pictures from his childhood and Mm. he'd only been married, I'd say less than five years. So his, Mm. his wife was there and he was still relatively young he was under 40. So I saw pictures from, and I remember him as a kid, he was actually a really good friend of my kid brother. And I saw pictures of from when we were kids and I thought, wow. And, and those were the memories that I had. So and I knew his parents, his parent, he was an only child. So now yeah. his parents no longer have a child and they never had, so him and his wife, they had never had children. So there's that whole, I went there thinking, what do I say to these people that are no longer parents and no longer have the opportunity to have a grandchild. What do I say to this widow who has just lost the love of her life and doesn't even know which way is up? So when I actually did approach his parents, when I approached his widow, we talked about the funny things. Yeah. We
1: talked,
0: yeah we we shared memories, and I remember he was a tall, lanky goofy looking kid who was just always causing trouble with my kid brother, so mm-hmm. these were the things that we shared, and I did express my genuine sadness over his passing but i and I remember talking to his widow and doing the same thing. she said, "You know, I know your name, you knew my brother, you knew." you knew that they were friends. And I said, yeah. And, and same thing. It was, how are you feeling? And I remember that being so liberating, Mm. right? It was, it was such a liberating experience to just be okay and sharing something that was funny. I remember seeing other childhood friends at this funeral, we went out for drinks and we had so much fun and we celebrated a life. Yeah, and when we a server came by and asked us, you know, what are you guys celebrating? So we told her our friend is our friend is gone, and they looked at us like, shouldn't you be yeah shouldn't you be crying? Shouldn't you be sad and upset? And so we said, no, we're here to raise a glass and celebrate that he walked this earth, but it's not it's done now.
1: So, but it's also yeah, it's also such a limiting. So you should be crying. Yeah, well, if I was crying, you wouldn't even be over here asking me how, what's going on. No, because... Just keep your distance, you know? It's a, like I, you can't win in other people's <laughs> opinions about like how you should grieve. And it's just also like any emotion, like if you allow it, it goes through you and becomes something else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and allowing yourself to grieve in whatever form that takes, you know? For a while I didn't feel like eating then I wanted to eat all the things you know (laughs) (laughs) it's just like wow okay right now my body wants to do this and now my body wants to do that now I want to be with these people I want to celebrate a life and you know I remember we brought um, lots of uh, photo books to the funeral because lots of the people there like didn't like because we had a big family but with more than one dad, more than one mom in like some groups. Uh, So like looking at old pictures was also a way of like, oh, oh, okay. So you know her from whatever, living on that street or when she had that job or oh, because you're friends with whoever. And I just telling funny stories. is also like part of remembering things. I tell, I still tell my husband about her also because I think she would have loved that he is German. So they would, be able to speak German together. I mean, that's also like such a ugh in my heart that I found someone that I knew and know that she was gonna love, but it's also like, so I'm gonna tell her or tell him about her and like German things that might not make a lot of sense to me, but they'll make sense to him. And even now that's like, I mean, I feel like that's the hardest part. Like you, when they're not alive to keep the story of themselves alive, then we have to do it. Um, you did have you to find, like, did you find now that
0: you have a better relationship with yourself, tuning into your body, responding to what your body needs? Did you find that that improved as you went through this process?
1: Yeah, I think it's also. so, uh, mm, I'm better at allowing the sadness. I think, uh, nothing but a loss will make you understand loss Uh, I trained as an actress and it was not that I didn't have access to deep grief and whatever but it wasn't like readily available to me I had to trick I had to create a story for myself to trigger the emotion of loss Uh, I think whenever you have experienced loss in your life uh, it's kind of like a stone in your pocket then when you reach down it's there it's not far away And yeah, sure. Sometimes like it like really is a very heavy stone. You're like, oh shit. Okay. It's going to be one of those days. Okay. It's going to be one of those days. Uh, But mostly I feel like it's given me a lot of appreciation. I'm very aware of telling people I love them. If I love them. I'm also very aware that I don't have time for everyone. My body actually doesn't have time to be in rooms. my life is too short. Um, So in that way, I'm more in tune with where I want to be and the people I'm around and what safety feels like. It's also like without my mom in the world, and this is a dysfunctional family thing, I feel more safe because I know I'm not going to save her or have to be there. I feel a lot more safe in the world. Um, And that's probably not most people's experience I know lots of people who have trouble sleeping after a loss and trouble like finding ease because something is wrong like that um but I'm, but I'm a lot more aware of like calmness um, yeah and I talk to her you know I feel like uh when I lived in Denmark because she's buried in Denmark I would visit her grave because I mean cemeteries are made for the living (laughs) they're made so we can visit and there's a space where if you're standing in front of a grave crying we're all like oh okay that's what you're doing um but i talk to her if i feel like we have something to clear up and i also know she plays music for me and stuff like that Uh, so i still feel a strong connection like that so now
0: you had talked about when how when she left, you felt free. You were able to mm. travel. You, were, you didn't feel so attached. So now, what does, what does life look like now? So you're still going through the grief process. So how has your life opened up as a result?
1: Yeah, again, I feel like it's very specific to me. Um, she died in 2013. And that was the first year I visited the U.S., then the second year after that, I did a summer intensive with an acting school. And suddenly I was like, well, I can leave, leave. Like I can leave, leave this country. Um, so I did, I did the two-year um, program in New York. And it felt like everything just opened more and more. Uh, I'm also a professional numerologist and I changed my name at the end of 2014, and I I feel like the energetic ties to my family name and the names that I was given by my family, the fact that they are not there anymore because I changed my name, really amplified this feeling of being free to do what I want. Um, and uh, I wrote a book recently; it's coming out soon. And I realized that one of the things that my mom always wanted me to be that I didn't want to be was a writer. And I actually think that if she'd been alive, I would have been like, I can't write this book because it's like giving her power. Because I am a little teenager inside. I think we all are sometimes. Um, So like lots of things are possible. Like my husband is also German, but we have green cards are in the US. And like, I really don't think I would have been able to leave and create a life in the US if my mom had been alive because uh, I have sisters and, and when I left for good, um, one of them cried on the phone and was like, I'm gonna miss you so much. And I felt really guilty. But if my mom had didn't done that, I don't, I, I don't think I would have been able to leave. It was really like a strong hold. And I know that it was love, but it didn't feel like it in that sense. There were so many things I couldn't do. Uh, I felt like I couldn't do. I could could not give myself permission um, to do. So I mean, everything. I mean, my life is so much better now than when she was alive. I cannot imagine what I would have. I would not have changed my name. I would have not have gone to the U.S. Then I would not have met the love of my life. Then I would not have gotten married to him. Then I would not have moved to New York. Then I wouldn't have like pursued. Uh, becoming a professional neurologist then I wouldn't be changing people's lives by helping them change their name. There's so many things that I just, I can't see how that could have ever happened. I don't know what my life would have been if she had been alive. Um, So on some level, I'm also like, even though I would never wish for anyone to lose their mom and I felt like it was way, way, way too soon in my life. I'm very grateful that she decided to be like okay, I'm going. That there wasn't a long, you know, uh, recovery, because she would never have been able to walk again. She would never, I mean, it was like a, it was the life of a vegetable. And I'm just on some level, very grateful that she decided to be like out with a bang in that sense. And I don't even know if that sounds horrible. It's just also, I know that she was such a powerful, but scared woman. So she would have been better off like just, okay, we're done.
0: I want to honor you, Novalee, for coming on Brokenhearted, sharing your experiences, your stories, your candor. I am so incredibly grateful that you came Thank on you. the show today. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for letting me share.
0: Learn more about Novalee by going to com. You can also follow Novalee on Instagram at Novalee Wilder. Tune in next week for a new episode of Broken Hearted, where we will discuss and have amazing conversations about all things heartbreak. In the meantime, feel your pain and see what happens next. Brokenhearted is sponsored by Heart on Fire a new kind of coaching experience. Start where you are with what you have. Begin to move past the pain. Go to bit.ly slash recover from heartbreak to book your free heartbreak recovery session today.